guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. It's time for another hot take. And this month we've decided we're going to bring you two movies to talk about. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And I Am Mother, which was showing on Netflix. Yep. Uh, we were looking forward to Godzilla King of the Monsters for quite some time, I think. Like, the trailers looked really good. Yeah, whoever's doing the trailers for the Godzilla movies knows what they're doing. For real. their use of music and editing and everything else is wonderful. I think in the first Godzilla trailer, they used music from, like, 2001, A Space Odyssey. And this one, they used uh, Claire de Lune to amazing effect, especially with, like, the beautiful, like, Mothra thing coming out of the water and everything. It's it's a, it's really uh, – it was really quite amazing. So we decided we were excited about Godzilla for once in our lives and went to go see it. And not only were we excited about the trailers and the way they looked and sounded, but Michael Doherty is the director of this. Yes. Someone that we love very much. We've yep. covered two of his movies on this podcast. Krampus and Trick or Treat. And um, we're huge fans, so we had to continue our – our love and discussion of Michael Doherty films. And so we'll just dive right into Godzilla King of the Monsters now. Uh, it was released at the end of May or mid-May. Yeah, I believe so. So, I mean, obviously it's a little late coming out. And I assume that most of y'all have seen this movie. May you know, 31st. May 30th, so the end of May. So we assume that you know many of you, if you wanted to see Godzilla, have gone to see it already. So just in case you have not, just be aware, like in other hot takes that we have given you guys, there will be some spoilers mentioned. So yep. if you have not seen either one of these movies, go watch them and come back. Another reason why I was excited for this one was, of course, um, Bear McCreary did the music for it. And uh, the music came out ahead of it. And I was a huge fan. I'm always a huge fan of anything Bear McCreary does, generally. And he did an amazing score for this film. Did you know that he was doing the score before the soundtrack was released? Yeah. I, had, I had no idea. I never look at that. You know what I mean? So maybe that's just it. Yeah, only like a little bit. Like you know, when I realized, oh, it's coming out, and then I saw who it was. This was before I saw the movie, obviously. And I and I listened to it, and I was even more intrigued. So. Yep. He sent me a message saying, you know, here the soundtrack is out. It's Bear McCreary. So I went and gave it a listen before I saw the movie. And it's actually really good. Yep. You know, I don't listen to a lot of film scores, but I like that quite a, quite a bit. So Chris went to go see this before I did. It took me a couple weeks to get to a chance to go see it. So, And he had already told me, you know, that he liked it and especially liked some of the monsters, right? Yeah. And I have to agree. I think that the best part of this movie for me was those monster effects. They looked good. Oh, they looked great. And it had a good cast, too, between Kyle Chandler and Vera Farmiga and Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. Fucking Sally Hawkins was in this. Charles Dance. Uh... Zhang Zi and Ken Watanabe. Yeah, I was really surprised to see Hallie, Sally Hawkins pleasantly. Like, I really like I like her work. I thought she was really good in The Shape of Water, even though I have you know issues with that particular movie. But I mean, her performance is great. Yeah, so. of course. And she was good in this movie. Um, and you know, for the most part, I wasn't too like blown away by some of the acting in here. I mean, like. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown did a good job, which I was also surprised about. Uh-huh. But Kyle Chandler, who I'm used to seeing in things like, like Friday Night Lights and 
you know, other other things on TV. And he normally does a pretty decent job as an actor. But for some reason in this movie, I was just like, I don't like, I'm not buying any of it. Every time he was saying something, I was just like, eh, okay. Maybe it's just the character. I don't know. Yeah, it was fine. It's a big, dumb monster movie. I thought the acting was fine. I thought the pacing was fine, you know? Um, the one thing that bothered me was that they kind of, kind of discover this Atlantis area underneath, like, the ocean tunnels or i guess yeah and they just the first thing they do is nuke it to i guess recharge godzilla or whatever but it was a really cool uh design <laughs> area so there a lot of the design of this film is really cool especially the monsters and everything but that area under the ocean and that ancient civilization that all that stuff was really intriguing to me and i would have loved to explore that more and maybe they'll explore it in a sequel more but at the same time i was like no don't nuke it fuck godzilla <laughs> explore the city but uh that's just me i'm a big nerd yeah so the monsters were great i think they they looked really good and i really enjoyed all the scenes that had the monsters in it especially like the birth of each monster right from its particular place in the world yeah and i that's it's kind of the movie that I really wanted to see after, you know, seeing Mothra born at the very beginning. I was like, oh, this is going to be really good. And then all of a sudden it starts to have a plot. And I'm like, no, I don't need any of this like special machine that helps like talk to the monsters and like yeah. family drama and shit. I was like, no, can't you just fly all over the world and watch the monsters being born in like Colorado, wherever the fuck they're going to be? You know, yeah. I was like, that would have been fantastic. Well, they did do that. They did, but I needed, I wanted to see more of it. We yeah. got to see snippets of some of these other monsters that I had never even heard of from Godzilla movies. I mean, yeah, like the some ones of them are new, some here. of them are yeah. old, you know, but uh, I really liked how they showed not just the giant, you know, scale of these things, but they'd also zoom back down to the ground. Rodan was a good example of that, where right. he was just flying over the city or whatever, and then you'd see the effect that would have of him flying so close to the city, and people are just, like, blowing out of the streets and stuff. Like, they can't even, it's like a tornado hit or a hurricane or something. Just from the, the the thing just flying by, not even flapping his wings, just flying over the city because he's just that big. Well, and then like especially for the Rodan part or whatever, they you know they sort of hint at like how these monsters affect the local folklore of where they come from. Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was super interesting too. There's so many ways that this script could have gone if you're trying to do some sort of like overarching introduction to some of these monsters, right? So I mean, we obviously had the original Godzilla from what like six years ago or so. I don't remember. something. And then years. we had uh, Kong Skull Island, and mm-hmm. so they set that up. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that Kong movie was supposed to be separate, but I think that they bought it to fit it into this universe a little bit more. And I thought that Kong was a very good movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it didn't have near as many monsters as this one does, you know. So. This was a better monster movie, but Kong yeah. was probably the better movie overall. Right. But, you know, and so looking forward, and I, when you stay to watch the credits for Godzilla King of the Monsters, you see what they're setting up for the next movie, mm-hmm. Kong versus Godzilla, right? Yep. And uh, Michael Doherty's not directing that one, but he wrote it. Oh. Yeah. So cool. hopefully, you know, we'll get to see a little bit more of some of these other monsters that were, you know, grow- growing all over the world and, and what's going on with that. Because I think they've really started something cool with this. So I don't know why it didn't perform better. Um because it's, you know, giant spectacle summer monster movie, right? But I th- I don't know if it bombed or if it just is flat because I think it was made for like a hundred million dollars or something and I think it made like three hundred and fifty, but who knows how much marketing went into that. So it might have been a lot more flat than they really wanted it to be. Yeah, I'm not sure like what the actual box office numbers were for it. I was 
expecting it to make quite a bit of money because it seemed like one of those big blockbuster movies and right, you know, they, I thought they got into it at, at a right time before like the summer really started, you know? Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm here on the site and it says it's estimated the film will need to gross 550 to 600 million in order to break even and it's only made 350 million so far. I so that might be a bomb. Don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, with all the marketing costs. So, I mean, it, the movie opened at number one its particular weekend and then fell from that spot the following weekend. And I don't, I think maybe this summer is just weird when it comes to the box office because I've been seeing other movies that, you know, I had expected to make a lot of money, just not, you know? Seems like anything that's not put out by Disney this summer is not going to make any kind of money whatsoever. Well, more and more every season, I think the box office is fighting against like streaming, right? So I just heard last night there was the murder mystery movie that came out on Netflix Uh and like uh, Adam Sandler's vehicle or whatever. And I think uh, Jennifer Jennifer Aniston's in it. it. They are saying that based on the viewership of that film, if all of those viewers, now that's a big if, if uh-huh. all those viewers got out of the comfort of their home and the comfort of their Netflix subscription and went to the theaters, it would have made $120 million the yeah. weekend. That's the article I read this morning, too. And I was yeah. like, I saw that headline and I was like, well, let me read this. I was just like, what? Yeah. See, but we don't really know if that's actually true or not because Netflix will never release their numbers to people, right? And it's something we can talk about when we go into the next movie. You know, Godzilla was good. It was enjoyable. It's a fun popcorn movie. Like, yeah. me and my husband went to go see it and we both enjoyed Enjoyed it and had a good time. It was actually a pleasant theater-going experience. Like nobody was screaming or talking on their phone during it. So I mean, I I enjoyed it and I will continue watching the series. So yeah, I agree with what William Bilbiani wrote from Bloody Disgusting. He said, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, is a big, kind of silly, but otherwise exciting blockbuster. It's gorgeous, it's epic in the extreme, and it features some of the most impressive monster fights you've ever seen. Maybe someday Americans will make a Godzilla movie that isn't just badass, but which also works on another level and resonates in a meaningful way. Right. Which I think, right. I mean, a lot of people look back to some of the original Japanese movies and they it had a point behind it, right? Sure. And they're trying to have a similar point in these movies. I mean, they're talking about like eco-conscious stuff and things like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, in between the monster fights, like the the, the plot just didn't really work. And if you want to talk about things, you know, and be eco conscious or whatever, have a reason to have these monsters, have some better dialogue, you know, maybe yeah. just a little better plot. But I mean, ultimately, I say go see it at least, you know, or watch it when it comes out on, you know. Yeah, it's an excellent. Viewing. It's excellent for its visual aesthetic. So I'm definitely going to probably end up getting it on uh, 4K. And I will definitely come and watch it. HDR, just so I can see its majesty, you know, in my in my setup. So Yeah, because I would like the chance to be able to see those monsters a little closer, right? And take my time to look at it. Because he Mike Doherty really did craft a very beautiful movie. I mean, as far as like you know, com- computer generated effects and things like that. I think it looks pretty seamless and pretty. Like he, oh, yeah. he knows how to craft a film, and that's that's good. Yeah. I will say though, Mike, if you happen to be listening to this particular podcast, as I assume you are, um, now that we've gone and done your big budget Godzilla King of the Monsters, I think it's time to go back and give us Trick or Treat Two. Everybody wants it. <laughs> Just give it. Come on. What do you rate this movie out of five stars? Uh, three and a half. I give it a three on Letterbox. So I mean, it's sort of middle of the road, fun movie, you know, and maybe I went into expecting something more, you know, and I mean, I have to stop doing that anyway. Better than average time. for me. Yeah. yeah. So next up, we're talking about I Am Mother.
Yeah, it's uh, Netflix's 2019 science fiction thriller film directed by Grant Sputor, which I have no idea who that is, yeah. what they've done, but it stars basically just three people, Clara Rugard and Rose Byrne as the robot's voice, and Hilary Swink, which I don't see enough of lately, so I'm glad she was in this. Yeah, where's And she the been? acting in this in this movie was amazing. I thought everyone did an, um, an amazing job. And the setup was great. Essentially, it's about... Like, there's been an extinction event or some sort of apocalypse, right? And so this robot is basically shown to have, like, 60,000 embryos for humans or whatever in this bunker or whatever it is, mm-hmm. high-tech bunker, and is trying to raise a human, in this case a daughter. And it actually goes through and shows the daughter kind of growing up, and it's, like, a little tear-jerky and heartfelt and then it kind of cuts to a daughter grown up and she is taught certain things about the world that may or may not be true by the robot mother for her own protection or other reasons and basically gets introduced to Hilary Swank's character as she's trying to escape from the outside to come in and uh, the daughter of course wasn't aware that anyone else existed on the planet so wacky hijinks ensue Chris had sent the trailer a link to the trailer and uh, a message to me and I watched it and I was like oh my god this looks amazing it was a fantastic trailer yeah. right I mean she was talking about Godzilla's trailer this was equally as good and I was like oh I really have to watch this and thankfully it's easier to watch something on Netflix than it doesn't to go to the theater sometimes right and so I sat down to watch this movie and really enjoyed like most of it you know yeah um by the first couple minutes into this movie when that robot's holding a baby and singing Baby Mine from Dumbo. Like, I was crying. I was just like, oh my God, this is going to be so good. And as the movie progressed, I mean, like, the acting is phenomenal, like Chris already said. I think Rose Byrne deserves an Oscar for this movie. I really do. Not Hilary Swank? Hilary Swank was good, too. I just think that, I mean... the voice. There should really be a voice acting, like... Well, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not something. afraid to give them some sort of regular acting nomination. Like, this is, you know, I'm somebody who feels that Scarlett Johansson deserved at least a supporting actress nomination for her, you know? And she was just playing a voice. And that's, that's hard work, you know? Because I mean, you're not technically there on set all the time. You don't get to react to people in the same way. And, I mean, I just think that's it's an amazing performance. Even more so than Rose Byrne was um, that girl, what is her name? Clara Rugard? Yeah. Yeah, she was amazing, and I had never even heard of her before. Yeah. I don't... I mean, she was so, so good. The movie itself, when it first started, I thought, there's no way that this is a horror movie, right? It's just like, this has got to be just straight-up science fiction, maybe with a little, like, high drama thrown into it. Yeah. But that's really not the case, I think. This movie is almost a straight-up horror movie. There were some scenes that I felt, you know, very tense, and kind of afraid for the people. I was going to think, I was thinking though, this isn't much horror, but it's like a sci-fi, definitely a sci-fi thriller. Yeah. And which of course, any kind of thriller is going to be under the gigantic horror umbrella to me, or, you know, definitely has some horror adjacency there. Well, I mean, there's, there's definitely some like flashbacks to alien and things like that. I think anytime you're set in kind of this environment, you're, we're going to, we're going to get that flashback feeling to, to things like that. But there's a scene when alarms are starting to go off and the robot is doing something else. Right. And up until that point, we had just seen it sort of like mosey around. Yeah. Right. But then it's like hauling ass 
to get to where the emergency is. And I was like, oh, fuck, that robot can run. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. And so I was like, well, if it can do that, what else can it do? Sure. And then as the story starts to progress a little bit more, I was just like, okay, so maybe yeah. the robot's a little evil. Spoilers. Right? Yeah, yeah, we learned that she is the third daughter. Mm-hmm. And she, as she's sifting through the ashes in, like, the furnace or whatever, she sees the bones of others. And it actually, I went back, and the, the film actually spoils that. Right, because you're seeing you're seeing the younger daughter as she's like five or six years old or whatever, four to six years old, and she's being raised by the mother, and it's all very heartfelt and everything else. And then it jumps to her being older. But what it says is day thirteen thousand something blah blah blah. Well, thirteen thousand days is like thirty eight years. Thirty eight years had passed, and it was right there in the title card. It said, oh, I didn't even realize that. It said day one, and then it said day thirteen thousand something, and she's only like sixteen or something. 15? Oh my god. And literally, yeah, it's 38 years. It's blowing my mind right now. I did not even pay attention to that shit whatsoever. Yeah. I, guess I was so wrapped up in crying about that damn song. So if like... people did some quick math or they knew, like 13,000 days, that's oh, I 38 can't do any years. Quick math. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Uh... <laughs> Obviously, she, would, she wasn't 38 years old. So something's going on, right? Yeah, that's that's insane. I'm so glad that you told me that because that changes everything, right? Because they they do tell you right away. We they were just talking right about away. like seven, how they set things up throughout that entire movie, and this is another example. And also, how old is Hillary Swank's character, right? So they try and plant that seed that Hillary Swank's character could be one of those first daughters. And I really thought that's what it was, right? And I guess, you know, like, this is on Netflix and probably a lot more accessible to most of you listeners, you know, so maybe we won't try to spoil everything about this movie. But Yeah, there's a couple twists yeah. and turns, and oh, yeah. it keeps you guessing. And I had some guesses, and I had some things I wanted it to do. But at the end of the day, after I, I stopped this, this, you know, after the movie was over, I, I decided, you know what? I have no complaints about this movie. It wasn't perfect for me. Like, I didn't get that much out of it, like... I got a lot out of it, obviously, intellectually and emotionally, yeah. but I didn't end excited that I had watched it, right? Um, God, I don't want to like shit on this movie because I loved it. Like, yeah, I will watch I it again. I will show it to people because I, I really, really enjoyed it. It's a four out of five to me, but uh, it's one of those rare movies for me that I don't know what I would change. Like, I thought it was a really good movie, and I don't think it did anything wrong for what it was. I also gave it a four out of five when I marked it on Letterboxd. So, um, yeah, I mean, I... It's really good. I wouldn't change a whole lot either. I will say that, I mean, I gave it those stars really because the first hour and a half of that movie are so good and so taut, right? Yeah. And I really enjoy movies in a small setting with small cast and things like that. And it was really, really good. Um, I will say for the latter part of the movie, the final act, right? What I liked the most about it had little to do with the story and more to do with like the visual storytelling because like the way the world that they've created looked so pretty to me, mm. like luscious green cornfields. Okay, and but that like had that. just yeah. happened. Yeah, so they, it was kind of explained why that was the way it was. And everywhere you go, there's kind of desolation, right? And even that was pretty with the yeah. little ship in the background. I mean, it, I think it just, <laughs> the little ship in the background was a giant tanker, and it was like capsized or whatever, right? I mean, you could clearly see that the world was, you know, fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we knew that going into it. And I, I didn't know what it was going to look like. What I whatever, liked was but... that it had looked like nature was starting to take over again, right? Like, you could kind of tell the it was past the time of humanity. Humanity was just kind of there watching it all end, you know, at that point. Whatever was left of it. Well, thankfully, they still have corn. Yeah. We're not going to spoil that part. No. 
Who knows what happens with the core and everybody? You have to go watch the movie. <laughs> Who knows what happens with the beach? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we've already rated that movie. We both give it a four out of five. I definitely go watch this one. I mean, almost everybody in the world has Netflix now. And I mean, I just saw a meme today on Facebook that said, bring more good horror movies to Netflix or whatever. And I was like, there's plenty. And there's movies like this that you might not think is a horror movie, yeah. which has some nice horror twinges to it. So go give it a chance. It was Check a great, great film. Yeah. Better than Godzilla. Yes. Agreed. At least emotionally speaking. If you're looking for eye candy, Godzilla. Right. Well, I think that about wraps up our hot take for this month, guys. Stay tuned next week where we have a very special top 10 coming out based on this month's movie and next month's. That's right. So next month we are covering Silence of the Lambs. And earlier this month, you've already heard, we covered seven. So next week's top 10 will be our top 10 favorite Psycho Psycho Killers. Qu'est-ce Yes. So stay tuned for that. And as always, if you want to join in on the conversation, let us know what you thought about Godzilla or I Am Mother. You can come to social media. Find us at The Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can also send us an email at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com. Or you can call us at 972-666-7733. Let your voice be heard. That's right. And if you need even more Film Flamers content, head over to patreon.com slash thefilmflamers where you can find all of our bonus content for as little as $2. And this month, instead of doing our intros of a scene, we're actually going to be giving you a conversation about Game of Thrones. So rush over there to Patreon and check it out whenever it drops. That's right. Final season, final thoughts. So, In addition to our regular sequel ideas for Seven. Well, until next week with the top 10, guys. Sweet dreams. That was my best Godzilla. Really? (laughs) (laughs) On on Twitter, Michael Doherty called that thing a burp whenever he like lit up the sky or whatnot. He was like, that's just a burp. There you go. (coughs) Motherfucker.